Jesus Christ is known as the Lord of glory. Glory is the light of life. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 states, God is light. John 1, 9 speaks of Jesus Christ and says this, That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Sound bizarre? No longer. Microbiologists in the life sciences have always been able to identify healthy sperm, but not so much the egg, at least until recently. Scientists were shocked to discover that when the sperm and egg unite, a spark of light, literally the spark of life, shoots forth, and the healthiest egg has the greatest halo. Jesus Christ is the Lord of glory and lights every life that comes into this world. He truly is the light of the world. Have you seen the light? Jesus calls this experience born again. The Bible speaks of the soul's condition prior to salvation in Matthew 4.16 and says, The people which sat in darkness saw great light. Will today be the day you see the light? Will today be your new beginning where all your sin and shame and devil bondage ends? Flip the switch. Click on the further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, John chapter 3, verse 19, And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. God said, Proverbs three nineteen, The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, by understanding hath he established the heavens. God said, Exodus 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Man said, I want proof that the God of the Bible is. Now the record. Carnal men clamor for proof, confident that it can't be done. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature article 875, that will for the 875th time confirm the pure and supernatural accuracy of God's Holy Bible. All of these features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and as bait for the fishers of men. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for visiting today. May God's face shine upon you and yours with light and truth. Man shouts, prove it! But the reality is that proof is the last thing he wants. Of course, Jesus Christ framed it perfectly in John three nineteen and 20, and this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. This series dealing with God proofs ends at proof 100. God said, man said, has cataloged at least 800 of these marvelous proofs, and they grow rapidly. In actuality, the proofs that God is are beyond numbering. Be of good cheer, my brothers and sisters. Your childlike faith will not be disappointed. God proof number 94, Deuteronomy 18, 18 and 19. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them of all that I shall command him. 
And it shall come to pass, that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. Moses was a shadow and type of Jesus Christ to come, and the laws God gave Israel through him were kingdom-building laws for all spiritual and social aspects. Jesus Christ comes fulfilling the law, and all his teachings were also from uh, for the purpose of kingdom-building, even the very kingdom of God. The Deuteronomy prophecy of the coming Christ, who would be a deliverer and kingdom-builder, was well known by Jewish leaders, and thus the dialogue found in John chapter 1, verses 19 and 21. And this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. God proof number 95, Deuteronomy 19, 16 through 21. If a false witness rise up against any man to testify against him that which is wrong, then both the men between whom the controversy is shall stand before the Lord, before the priest and the judges which shall be in those days. And the judges shall make diligent inquisition, and behold, if the witness be a false witness, and hath testified falsely against his brother, then shall ye do unto him, as he hath thought to have done unto his brother, so shalt thou put the evil away from among you. And those which remain shall hear and fear, and shall henceforth commit no more any such evil among you. And thine eyes shall not pity." But life shall go for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. In a testimony before the U.S. House of Representatives Judiciary Committee, Alan Dershowitz excuse me, had this to say, On the basis of my academic and professional experience, I believe that no felony is committed more frequently in this country than the genre of perjury and false statements. Perjury during civil depositions and trials is so endemic that a respected appellate judge once observed that experienced lawyers say that in large cities, scarcely a trial occurs in which some witness does not lie. He quoted a wag to the effect that cases often are decided according to the preponderance of perjury. Filing false tax returns and other documents under pains and penalties of perjury is so rampant that everyone acknowledges that only a tiny fraction of offenders can be prosecuted. Making false statements to a law enforcement official is so commonplace that the Justice Department guidelines provide for prosecution of only some categories of this daily crime. Perjury at criminal trials is so common that whenever a defendant testifies and is found guilty, he has presumptively committed perjury. Police perjury in criminal cases, particularly in the context of searches and other exclusionary rule issues, is so pervasive that former police chief of San Jose in Kansas City has estimated that hundreds of thousands of law enforcement officers commit felony perjury every year testifying about drug arrest alone, end of quote. Lying under oath doesn't carry the negative deterrent it once did. Lying has become accepted and in many cases even promoted in publications, sitcoms, the classroom, and more. 
Distinctions and justifications are made for such things as white lies, the ones that supposedly harm no one. Yet unbeknownst to most, it is these very kinds of things upon which the slippery slopes of destruction are made. The following excerpt is from the 2003 article in the Virginian Pilot. While lawyers and legal scholars contend that the justice system relies on truth-telling, some say that being under oath may not be taken as seriously as it once was. In the year 2000, there are fewer people who believe they will be subjected to divine punishment for lying under oath than there were in 1450, said John Douglas, a former federal prosecutor and a professor at the University of Richmond School of Law, end of quote. Perjury is rampant. Outside of tax evasion, perjury in America is America's number one crime. The following paragraphs are from a 1998 Knight Ritter article. If you converted perjury to water, McCann said, it would flood the place. Across the country, parents and spouses and brothers and sisters provide false alibis for loved ones facing criminal charges. Police officers forced to justify what they did on a pat-down search and arrested someone on the street for drug possession lie so often it even has a name. Dropsy testimony. It goes like this. The perpetrator saw me and my fellow police officers, then dropped the packet of drugs to the ground and ran away. Every day you see it. Every day, said Chicago defense lawyer Sam Adam. There's an old legal expression in Cook County. The outcome depends upon the preponderance of the perjury. With all this perjury going on, one would expect to find a torrent of perjury charges. But it's more like a trickle if that. McCann, for example, said, then in his three decades as Milwaukee County's chief prosecutor, excuse me, prosecutor, he has yet to file a single perjury charge stemming from a civil case. End of quote. Man has rejected God's directive in this matter. Perjurers are rarely prosecuted. When they are, the maximum penalty under federal law is a ten thousand dollar fine and five years imprisonment. In the Knight Ritter article referenced above, the following excerpt can be found. Even in those cases where a witness lies, have placed an innocent person in prison or even on death row, those witnesses are rarely charged with perjury. When two pathologists were murdered in Marietta, Georgia in 1971, a female witness falsely implicated seven men. Based on her testimony, all were convicted. Six got life sentences. One got the death penalty. All were later exonerated when the witness repudiated her story and another man confessed. The local prosecutor refused to charge her with perjury, calling it a waste of taxpayers' money. End of quote. Imagine if Deuteronomy 19:18 through 20 were honored. Again, the passage reads, and the judges shall make diligent inquisition, and behold, if the witness be a false witness, and hath testified falsely against his brother, then shall ye do unto him, as he hath thought to have done unto his brother. So shalt thou put the evil away from among you, and those which remain shall hear and fear, and shall henceforth commit no more any such evil among you. God proof number 96, Deuteronomy 22, 28, and 29. If a, mi- a man find a damsel that is a virgin, which is not betrothed, and lay hold on her and lie with her, and they be found, 
Then the man that lay with her shall give unto the damsel's father fifty shekels of silver, and she shall be his wife, because he hath humbled her. He may not put her away all his days. Today children born out of wedlock is standard fare. The cost in destroyed lives and wealth is truly staggering. Of course, God had the remedy. The unmarried who sowed their wild oats were required to marry. Simply obeying this God-given perfect commandment would be world-changing. God proof number 97, Joshua chapter 6, 15 through 20. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same manner seven times. Only on that day they compassed the city seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time, when the priests blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. And the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that she are within her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And ye, in any wise, keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed when you take of the accursed thing, and make the camp of Israel accursed and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and arm are consecrate, iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet. And the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. We published a staggering announcement by world-famous archaeologist Garstang that he had unearthed Joshua's city of Jericho and how this announcement had the skeptics in a frenzy. For nearly 20 years, constant opposition was brought to bear on Garstang's conclusions until 1952 when skeptics managed to have Jericho re-examined under the direction of Miss Kathleen Kenyon. During the later course of Miss Kenyon's excavation, some of the skeptics arrived and wanted to know of her findings. She advised that Professor Garstang and the other archaeological experts were wrong. Immediately, the news was dispatched around the world. After Garstang's dating of Jericho was discredited by the skeptics, Miss Kenyon returned to Jericho for further investigation, where she then reversed her position and vindicated Garstang's findings. But the skeptics didn't come forth to set the record straight. Miss Kenyon said, All the canons of historical criticism demand that we accept the main facts of the story of the conquest of Jericho as authentic, for it was obviously an event of great importance in the ultimate dominance of the Israelites in Palestine, and the wealth of detail makes it clear that it was a faithful verbal record handed down for generations until it was incorporated in a written record, excuse me, end of quote. The following excerpts refer to the findings of noted archaeologist Dr. Brian G. Wood, director of the Associates for Biblical Research. Then there is the matter of the large grain supply found in the burnt debris of Jericho City 4. In fact, grain was the most abundant item found by Professor Kenyon apart from pottery. In her limited excavation area, Professor Kenyon recovered six bushels of grain in one season. Unique. In the annals of Palestinian archaeology, wrote Dr. Wood, successful attackers would normally remove valuable grain after capturing a city. 
However, the Israelites, by divine command, were forbidden to take any grain from Jericho. This could explain why so much grain was left to burn when City 4 met its end, wrote Dr. Wood. For this amount of grain to have been stored, the city would have had to have been destroyed in the spring of the year, shortly after harvest time, not before, Dr. Wood emphasizes. This is precisely when the Bible says the Israelites attacked Jericho. Rahab, for example, had been drying freshly harvested flax on the roof of her house in Jericho at that time. The jars full of grain indicate that when the city met its end, there was ample food supply, wrote Dr. Wood. This meant that Jericho had succumbed quickly, not after a long siege. This is consistent with the biblical account that Jericho was destroyed after only seven days. Evidence from radiocarbon dating also supports the conclusion that City 5 was destroyed around 1400 B.C. One carbon-14 example taken from a piece of charcoal found in the debris of City 4 was dated to 1410 B.C., end of quote. God-proof 98, Joshua chapter 2, 12 through 21. Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token, and that ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that I have and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, Our life for yours, if ye utter not this our business. And it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves there three days, until the pursuers be returned, and afterward may ye go your way. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath, which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst set us down by, and thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother, and thy brethren, and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him. And if thou utter this our business, then we will be quit of thine oath, which thou hast made us to swear. And she said, According unto your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet line in the window. Immediately after the fall of Jericho, Joshua gave this command in Joshua six twenty-two through 25. But Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house, and bring out thence the woman and all that she has, as she swear unto her, as ye swear unto her. And the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had. And they brought out all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. And they burnt the city with fire and all that was therein, only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and of iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive and her father's household and all that she had. And she dwelleth in Israel even unto this day because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. The following paragraphs 
are from the website ChristianAnswers.net under the title, Is the Bible Accurate Concerning the Destruction of the Walls of Jericho? What caused the strong walls of Jericho to collapse? The most likely explanation is an earthquake, but the nature of the earthquake was unusual. It struck in such a way as to allow a portion of the city wall on the north side of the site to remain standing, while everywhere else the wall fell. Rahab's house was evidently located on the north side of the city. She was the Canaanite prostitute who hid the Israelite spies who came to reconnoiter the city. Before returning to the Israelite camp, the spies told Rahab to bring her family into her house and they would be saved. According to the Bible, Rahab's house was miraculously spared while the rest of the city wall fell. This is exactly what archaeologists found. The preserved city wall on the north side of the city had houses built against it. The timing of the earthquake and the manner in which it selectively took down the city wall suggests something other than a natural calamity. A divine force was at work. End of quote. Yes, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. God proof number 99, Joshua ten twelve through 14. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed, until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, and hasted not to go down about a whole day. And there was no day like that before it or after it, that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Could such a thing be? Emmanuel Velikovsky lived from 1895 to 1979. He was a psychiatrist by trade and authored many books, including Worlds in Collision, which may have been his most controversial written work. He was esteemed by the New York literary world as one of the greatest men of all time, but much of the scientific community considered his work to be pseudoscientific. In the preface to Worlds in Collision, it reads, Worlds in Collision is a book of wars in the celestial fear that took place in historical times. In these wars, the planet Earth participated too. The historical cosmological story of this book is based in the evidence of historical texts of many people around the globe on classical literature, on epics of the northern races, on sacred books of the peoples of the Orient and Occident, on traditions and folklore of primitive peoples, on old astronomical inscriptions and charts, on archaeological finds, and also on geological and paleontological material. At the time, Worlds in Collision was published. Gordon A. Atwater, curator of the Hayden Planetarium, had this to say. The theories presented by Dr. Velikovsky are unique and should be presented to the world of science in order that the underpinning of modern science can be reexamined. I believe the author has done an outstanding job, end of quote. Velikovsky's research did not center on astronomy or chronology, but his assertions of the missing day were founded on the ancient records of civilization's past. Some of these accounts follow, which were the heathens' attempts 
to understand this miraculous event. The ancient Greeks attribute to Phaethon the disrupting of the sun's course for a day. Another ancient account attributes the stopping of the sun and moon to their false god Bacchus. The legend of India tells of the pious lamentations of Arjuan over the death of Krishna, which caused the sun to stand still. The antiquities of China, Peru, and Babylon record the account of one long day. Herodotus reports that the Egyptian priests showed him their ancient temple records in which was found the account of a day that was twice the natural duration. Author David Nelson recounts the following. Chinese history speaks of Yao, their king, declaring that in his reign, the sun stood so long above the horizon that it was feared the world would have been set on fire and fixes the reign of Yao at a given date which correspondence with the age, which correspond excuse me with the age of Joshua the son of Nun if one side of the world records a day when the sun stood still creating one long intense day then other civilizations should record a long night and they do the following excerpt is from Belikovsky's book, Worlds in Collision. In the Mexican Annals of Cutulan, the history of the empire of Culican in Mexico, written in Nahu Indian in the 16th century, it is related that during a cosmic catastrophe that occurred in the remote past, the night did not end for a long time. Sagan, the Spanish savant who came to America a generation after Columbus and gathered the, the traditions of the Aborigines, wrote that at the time of one cosmic catastrophe, the sun rose only a little way over the horizon and remained there without moving. The moon also stood still. One of the world's greatest historians, Flavius Josephus, wrote in his book Antiquities of the Jews the following. Joshua made haste with his whole army to assist them, and marching day and night in the morning fell upon the enemies as they were going up to the siege. And when he had discomfited them, he followed them and pursued them down the descent of the hill, the places called Beth Haran, where he also understood that God assisted him, which he declared by thunder and thunderbolts as by the uh, falling of hail larger than usual. Moreover, it happened that the day was lengthened, that the night not come on too soon and be an obstruction to the zeal of the Hebrews in pursuing their enemies. Insomuch that Joshua took the kings who were hidden in a certain cave of Makeda and put them to death. Now that day was lengthened at this time and was longer than ordinary, is expressed in the books laid up in the temple. The world certainly certifies God's account of the missing day. The skeptics clamor for an explanation on how such a thing could occur. The obvious answer is that it was a miracle that defies natural understanding. God proof number 100, Exodus chapter 14, 21 and 22. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. A man once said, We reject with scorn all those learned and labored myths that Moses was but a legendary figure upon whom the priesthood and the people hung their essential social, moral, and religious ordinances. We believe 
that the most scientific view, the most up-to-date and rational conception will find its fullest satisfaction in taking the Bible's story literally. We may be sure that all these things happened just as they are set out according to Holy Writ. We may believe that they happened to people not so very different from ourselves and that the impressions those people received were faithfully recorded and have been transmitted across centuries with far more accuracy than many of the telegraphed accounts we read of goings-on of today. In the words of a forgotten work of Mr. Gladstone, we rest with assurance upon the impregnable rock of Holy Scripture— Let men of science and learning expand their knowledge and probe with their researches every detail of the records which have been preserved for us from those dim ages. All they will do is fortify the grand simplicity and essential accuracy of these recorded truths which have so far lighted the pilgrimage of man. That man was Winston Churchill. If you have yet to make your decision for Jesus Christ, do it right now. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. God said, John chapter 3, verse 19, And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. God said, Proverbs 3, 19, The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, by understanding hath he established the heavens. God said, Exodus 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Man said, I want proof that the God of the Bible is. Now you have the record.